Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 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 Be seated. So this morning, on a late November Sunday in 2019, we are all sitting here relatively comfortably in our pews. We're enjoying central heating, indoor plumbing, free Wi-Fi, though you shouldn't know that because you're supposed to be paying attention to the sermon. But I want you to imagine that this morning you were somewhere and sometime else. Imagine you were living in the year 1162. Imagine that you were living in Paris, France, which at that time was a city of about 80,000 people. And imagine that you were a stonemason. So one day, a builder comes knocking on your door, and he wants to hire you for a new project that's just about to get started. There's a new church that's going to be built, and he wants you to help cut and lay the stones. And it's a project that's going to take a while, so he will hire you for as long as you can work. And so you get to work. Every morning, six days a week, you show up at the construction site. You work on chiseling these massive hunks of limestone into even blocks and then carefully setting them one by one into the foundation of this church. And it is slow, hard work. It is work that lasts for years. In fact, it's probably the last work you are ever going to do. Because the average life expectancy at this point is about 31 years. If you were that stonemason, imagine what it would have been like for you if you could have seen the finished project, which would not happen for another 200 years. Maybe you would have been standing by your great-great-great-grandson as he laid the final stone, and you probably would have become just overcome with awe. Because what, for you, was just a church whose foundation you were laying turned out to be not just a church. What you laid the foundation for turned out to be the Cathedral of Notre Dame. All along, you would have been part of something so much bigger than you realized. And the truth is, all of us live our lives as part of something so much bigger than we realize. We tend to go about our days, about our lives, working hard, loving our families and our friends, serving our communities, and at the end of it, we call it a good life. And it is. But it's also so much more than that. Because our lives are also building blocks. Building blocks of the kingdom of God. And that is part of what the prophet Haggai is telling the people of Israel in our scripture reading this morning. Haggai is trying to encourage a group of Israelites who are rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And they are discouraged 
because the version of the temple that they're building is way less impressive than Solomon's temple had been. But what Haggai is reminding them is that they are something, part of something so much bigger than themselves. They are the part of the kingdom that God is building. And that kingdom is better than anything human hands can ever construct. But we need to back up a little bit because we can't really understand Haggai's words unless we understand the context that he spoke them in. So a quick Old Testament history lesson. Remember King David? First king of Israel. He reigned from about 1010 BC to about 970 BC. He dies. His son Solomon took the throne. And during his reign, Solomon built the temple. The first solid, permanent temple. Majestic, all gold and jewels in magnificence. And Solomon reigned until he died in about... 931 BC. And at that point, the kingdom of Israel broke in two. The northern kingdom, sometimes called just Israel, and the southern kingdom, sometimes called just Judah. The northern kingdom hung around for about 190 years until the Assyrian Empire conquered it in 722 BC. The southern kingdom managed to hold out a little bit longer until 587 B.C. when it was conquered by the Babylonian Empire. And that was something that the prophets had been warning the southern and northern kingdoms about for a while. But the kings and the people of Judah in particular hadn't listened to these prophets who were telling them that the Babylonians would come and conquer them. And so when the southern kingdom was conquered, the Babylonians destroyed the temple, Solomon's temple, in Jerusalem. And most of the Israelites were driven into exile in Babylon, modern-day Iraq. So about 70 years after that is when Haggai comes on the scene. And in those 70 years, a whole lot has happened Because the Babylonians themselves were conquered by the Persian Empire. And the king of Persia decided he was going to let a group of the Israelites go back to Jerusalem and they can rebuild their temple. Which they do. They go back to Jerusalem. Not so much on the rebuilding the temple part. They go home, but rather than rebuilding the temple, they decide to rebuild their own houses. And so in chapter 1 of Haggai, the prophet has some words for these people. He says, you all say it's not the right time to build God's house. But you think it's okay to build your own houses while God's house lies in ruins? Not so fast. Have you noticed there's been a drought, your crops are dying, you don't have enough to eat or drink? Because you're putting your energy and your resources in the wrong places. What you need to do is focus that energy and those resources on building God's house. Building the temple. And in one of their better moments, that's what the people actually do. They set to work rebuilding the temple. And everything goes well for about a month or so. And that's when chapter 2 begins. And in chapter 2, these Israelites are discouraged. 
Because they've been working. They've been working on rebuilding God's temple, but for all of their efforts, it's just not very impressive. The oldest ones among them can remember that old temple, can remember Solomon's temple in all of its glory. Even the younger ones have heard about the temple's splendor. And this one that they're building just doesn't hold a candle to it. And that's when Haggai speaks up. Be strong, he tells the people and their leaders, Joshua and Zerubbabel. Work, work hard, he tells them. Haggai is speaking to them the words that God has given him to say. God says, for I am with you, just like I said I would be when I made my covenant with your ancestors and brought them out of Egypt. My spirit is in your midst, so don't be afraid. And then this is the kicker. God says, in a little while, I'm going to shake things up. Everything. The sea, the land, the sky, everything about how this world seems to you, I am going to shake it up. And all those other nations, the ones who seem so powerful right now, I'm going to shake them up too. I'm going to bring them into my kingdom. And everything that they have, all of their treasures, everything, that's going to belong to my kingdom too. Because actually, everything already belongs to me. All the silver in the world, all the gold, whatever anybody thinks is theirs, the truth is it really belongs to me. And he says... I know that the temple you're building right now doesn't seem very impressive to you. But someday I'm going to build a temple myself. And that temple is going to blow even Solomon's temple out of the water. It's going to be so much more amazing than you could even imagine. In other words, God says, don't be discouraged. Be strong, work hard, because you are part of something so much bigger than you realize. And I wonder if those of us who have been around church, really any church, for a while, maybe sometimes we feel a bit like the Israelites. Maybe we can remember back to some golden days When the pews were full, it was hard to find a parking space, the choir had 50 people in it, the budget was a lot bigger. If you can remember a day like that, or if you've even just heard stories of a day like that, then it is possible that this current temple, this church, maybe feels a little unimpressive, maybe a little disappointing. It's so easy for us to long for days that are past and to wish things were like they used to be. Maybe you felt that on an individual level. Maybe you feel like your best days are behind you. Maybe you feel like no matter what you do or how hard you work, it doesn't really seem to make much of a difference. You've still got broken relationships. The city is still full of poverty. The world is still plagued by violence and war. And however much good you do, you wonder, what difference does it make? 
because your acts feel so small and insignificant. Just when you feel that way, when we feel that way, that's when God's words through Haggai are so important. Be strong, God says. I know things aren't like they used to be. I know they aren't how you would like them to be. But do not lose heart. Keep on working because I'm going to change things. I'm going to shake up the world and you are going to be part of how I do that. I'm going to build my temple myself. In fact, I'm already doing it and I am using you as my workers. You are part of something so much bigger than you realize. And every single one of you here today and all of us together as a congregation, we are part of something so much bigger than we realize. And the ways that you serve and support the life and ministry of this church, that is something bigger than you may realize too. So I think about Joe and Norris and Ruth and Ron, when you greet people at the door and you welcome them into St. Michael's, that might feel like a small thing. But being made to feel seen and welcome is never a small thing. When I was back at Restoration Anglican in Arlington last week, I was reminded of a story um, that a parishioner there would tell. He was just beginning to explore faith when he, the first time that he came to Restoration. And he walked up the steps to the building and he said, somebody shook my hand looked me in the eye, and said, welcome. And he was hooked. That simple greeting for him held so much of God's love. And it was not too long after that that he made a public profession of faith and was baptized. In a way, a warm welcome from a greeter changed that man's life. So, to those of you who are on the altar guild, and others who pitch in to set up or take down when we have to get our space ready, what you've done is you've been part of making God's love and grace tangible through this sacrament of the Eucharist. So I have a perspective every week that none of you has, which is that I get to see the look in every person's face when I hand them the body of Christ. And I can tell you what a powerful moment that is. I can see the looks in your eyes. And I think it is beyond the power of any of us to really understand. So if you have ever ironed a purificator or filled a candle with oil or carried this whole table back to that closet after the service, then you have been a part of the mystery of the means of grace. Lectors, when you read the scriptures each week, sometimes it might feel like all you're doing is reading a few paragraphs of really hard to pronounce names. <laughs> but God tells us that his word is living and active. So you have no idea how God is using the words that are coming off of your lips into the hearts of the people who are hearing it. 
Part of why we as Anglicans read so much scripture in our worship each week, far more than the preacher can preach on, is because we believe that God's word, these stories of salvation, these words have power. And so when you read them, you become a vessel for that power. Steve and Ray, by running the soundboard, you make sure people can actually hear those words of power. (laughs) Most of the time. All of it matters, and all of it is some part of something so much bigger than we realize. And if you have ever put a dime in the offering plate, you have done so much more than you may realize. You've helped provide curriculum for Sunday school and for adult education. You've supported life-changing ministries in the town of Haymarket, in the streets of urban Baltimore, and in the far reaches of northern Ghana. You've helped provide a pastor to pray with people as their loved one is dying. You've provided financial assistance to people in the broader community who can't make their rent or pay for a loved one's funeral. I could stand here and go on and on and on. Because what you all do to build God's church, to build his temple, it's endless. When we talk about stewardship in the church, most of the time we talk about money. And money is part of it. But stewardship is about so much more than money. It's about how we all use, how we steward everything that God has given us. Our time, our spiritual gifts, our possessions, our talents, our prayers, all of it. All of it belongs to God, and God has called us to steward it faithfully. And I think a key to doing that is to remember that we are all part of something so much bigger than we realize. The entire book of Haggai, which is all of two chapters, you should read it today, The entire book of Haggai is a reminder that the faithfulness and the obedience of God's people is so often how God chooses to fulfill his purposes in the world. And God can do the most amazing things with the smallest and meagerest of offerings. Something about loaves and fishes comes to mind. Which is why, through Haggai, God says to the people, Take courage, all you people of the land, and get to work. I know this seems small right now, but my spirit remains with you. Don't be afraid, because in this place I will bring peace. Take courage and get to work. My spirit remains with you, so don't be afraid. No matter how small our temple may seem to us, God reminds us that anywhere that his presence is, that is a place of power and a place of transformation and a place of peace. It was God's presence that made the temple in Jerusalem impressive, not the structure itself. And it is God's presence and power here 
in us, in this congregation. It's God's presence and power and not our own efforts that bring about God's purposes. And one of the beautiful things about this passage from Haggai is that it reminds us that we don't have to be the one with the big vision. We don't always have to know, we rarely even get to know, how all of our small pieces fit in the big puzzle. God is the one who has the vision, not us. Sometimes God sends us a Haggai to remind us of that bigger vision, But most of the time, for most of us, all God calls us to is a small piece of work. Our faithfulness, our stewardship of all that God has given us. That stonemason in medieval Paris, he may never have seen the full plans for the whole cathedral of Notre Dame. He may have spent years laboring for something he could never even imagine. But those early foundation stones, those held up a building that survived a devastating fire 800 years later and that has inspired awe and wonder and worship in untold millions of people. So do not be discouraged. Your work matters. Your gifts matter. Your faithfulness matters. Because God uses all of them to build something so much greater than we can imagine. Not just a cathedral. Not just a temple. But an entire kingdom. A kingdom where no one is hungry or naked, where no one is crying or mourning, where no one is in pain. A kingdom of peace in which each and every person knows that they are the beloved child of God. Thanks be to God.